Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. Swish and Flick. Well, hi, everybody. Um, my name is Vanessa. Um, I am here with Swish and Flick. They invited me along um, because I am a mental health nurse. Um, I work with foster children, connecting them with resources like therapies and testing for things like autism, spectrum, fetal alcohol syndrome, um, and getting like both therapies and medications like through insurance and all of that. So uh, that's why they invited me. And I think we have four episodes on <laughs> we do. We've collaborated. I want to say it was in 2020. We did two episodes on Swish and Flick and two episodes on Vanessa's podcast called Don't Call Me Crazy. Um, also, I am Megan from Swish and Flick, if you have never listened to us before. And I'm Katie. <laughs> and um, yeah, so those episodes are, are up. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what we did talk about on those episodes, but kind of maybe go more in depth on certain aspects of it, such as like the, the comparisons to like real world um, real-world mental health, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, pharmaceuticals and stuff, like things that like you can actually use in the real world to help with mental health and then things that the wizarding world has and then the things that they lack, which is a lot. It's everything, <laughs> really. Well, and to, you know, there have been two other mental health presentations, I think, over the week. I don't know if any of you guys attended them um, or taught them, I wasn't sure, um, but one was done by a therapist and one was done by a psychologist, I believe, and so I'm trying to go from the angle that I know best, which is like resources and medicine, and I also have a past history as an archaeologist, so I did a lot of like, I mean, archaeology is basically just practical history, so I, I like to get a little deep and sweaty about the, uh, you know, the history of medicine and mental health and magic. We like to do that on Swish and Flick. Yeah. Get deep and sweaty. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Do you want to? Oh, well, let's start out with, we just want to give like a trigger warning because we are talking about mental health, which will involve mental health issues or um, maybe even like HIV AIDS, um, the LGBT community, just in case anybody gets triggered by any of those things, just so you know that we're going to be talking about those. And I am both not a licensed therapist and not your nurse or doctor, so please don't take any of this as medical advice. I'm just trying to share the knowledge that I do have um, with all of you. So, um, well, I'll start off if that's yeah. okay. Kick it um, off. I wanna, uh, I wanna get a little audience participation at first. What to you is mental health? Does anyone want to raise their hand? No? You? Yeah, I would say it's like the social, mental, and psychological well-being of a person. It's like all of That is a great description. Thank you. And what I'd like to call attention to, though, is that is all... Uh, you can't point to a part of your body where mental health sits right? Like most people would say your brain, but your brain is just a processing center. Um, maybe then you could say like your brain and nervous tract, but serotonin, for example, is made in your stomach. So then where does your mental health sit? We don't really know. Um, I don't know if you've heard of someone named Deepak Chopra. Um, he's kind of this new age guru type guy that's been around since the 70s and 80s. And what's fascinating about him and what he talks about is he originates from India. So he has that kind of Hindu yoga background, right? But he was an endocrinologist by trade. So he is a doctor of hormones. And what he kind of writes about over and over again over the last, I don't know how old I am now, 40 years, is that we don't really know what is the trigger for hormones, for example? Let's say you are, well, okay, a little background. I love this example, I'm just saying. She <laughs> told us this before we started, and it's like, I just never thought of it this way, so it's really interesting. So uh, a little like background on hormones. 
stress hormones, for example, that's like cortisol, epinephrine, that makes you anxious, stressed. Um, it stops you from being able to sleep at night, but it's important because in a stressful fight or flight response, you need to be able to jump, move, do what you need to do, right? My brain um, thinks that constantly. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's, I'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we talk about Harry. Um, but then there's the love hormone, right? Oxytocin, uh, for example. And what is fascinating is we do not know what triggers the release for those hormones. So here's a perfect example. Let's say you are petting a dog, right? You do not like dogs or you're scared of this dog. Your body is going to release cortisol, the stress hormone. If you like the dog, you are, your body's gonna release oxytocin. What is the difference? They're really, we don't know what the trigger is. And that is what thought is. Thought is that like dark material in your head that we don't really understand, but we see the effect that it has on us. And that's what, in mental health, we try to treat with therapies, right? Therapy is supposed to help you with your thought process, help you with like the negative thoughts you have, the stress response thoughts you have. And it tries to change your association so that you are no longer you know, stressed out whenever you pet a dog, if you have a history of being bitten by dogs, for example. And I think that's magical. I think it's magical that we have no idea what this X factor thought is. We can talk around it in psychiatry, in psychology, in medicine, in, you know, therapies, but we don't really know what it is. Um, and, you know, I think that is, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's just so crazy to me that like those responses can also just come from the same person. So like it could be me going over to a friend's house and I've had a bad experience with this dog, but I do love dogs, but I don't love this dog. So I can pet that specific dog and my body will make me feel stressed, but then I can go home to my dog and I will feel happy holding my dog. But it's like the same process that you're doing. It's just like your experiences or something that affects the hormones that get released. And you see so much of that in magic. Right in Harry Potter, uh, which we're finally bringing it back around to Harry Potter. Um, the it's good background, though. Yeah, we, had, yeah, we had to get yeah, there. Necessary. We had to, we had to, needed to it. Get to this point. Yeah. Um, the big example that everyone talks about is Dementors and Expecto Patronum. Right, and there are articles already out there. J.K. Rowling has said that you know when you when she based her experience with depression and her experience with CBT, or um, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, with uh, Expecto Patronum. And, you know, uh, when he's being taught it by Remus, he's being taught to think of positive thoughts, to kind of pull himself away from the, the sadness and the depression and the anxiety and the, you know, whatever the dementors are pulling out of him, and reframe those thoughts. But it's hard, and that's why therapy is hard. And that's why that spell is so hard to cast, and especially hard for someone Harry's age to cast. And that's why it's so amazing that he can cast that spell. Exactly. And, you know, kind of bringing it back around to Harry, the kid needs therapy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the characters need therapy. So many. The characters need therapy. Um, and, like, Harry, for example, he has, he has a childhood of trauma. You know, and again, I work with children, and children under a certain age, if they don't, um, what we call, attach well, um, if they aren't provided with, obviously, food, water, um, housing, comfort, but then also love and um, support, right? You're going to have a lifetime of stress, um, unless you work on, you know, reframing your thought process because basically his brain has sat in a bath of cortisol. Oh, um, Harry. That makes me really sad. <laughs> Sometimes talking about like Harry's upbringing and how Petunia and Vernon treated him is just like, I don't know, I just get big sad, like real sad. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder like how often was he, the kid even like held? Exactly. That's very I important for like, anyone, back. but especially an infant. Like touch exactly. is so important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's like, can you picture Aunt Petunia just like cuddling Harry when he's an, a baby? I mean, I know he was, he was one, right, whenever he went there, but like, still, you need to hold them. And like, I just can't ever picture her doing that. So like, this clearly matches with him having, what is it called, attack? It's attachment theory. Yeah, so attachment theory is something they talk a lot about in therapy because, like, again, if you're under four or under ten or whatever and you don't get those basic needs met, um, you're going to have difficulty in your social relationships. And, you know, there I think there's four types. I'll pull it up because I, I don't have this memorized. Um, Sorry, I just dropped that on you. I was like, okay, talk about it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, with attachment theory, um, Harry's biggest issue is, you know, he didn't have those needs met. And so when people have difficulty with, or they didn't attach well, they are either what they call anxious, ambivalent, disorganized, or avoidant. And I would say, this is just my personal opinion, but especially seeing how he behaves in Cursed Child, he's very avoidant. He struggles to kind of connect with his emotions, connect with other people. Um, he avoids his emotions if he can. Um, he does that throughout. Yeah, he does. The whole series. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like it's, it's just interesting to see it um, in adult Harry. It almost like presents a little differently and it's, yeah. it's easier to see it right away whenever he's in, he's interesting in Cursed Child. Yeah. Well, so many characters too, like Sirius and Snape and Harry, like they're all stunted in their own ways. Mm -hmm. Like Sirius and Snape were stunted and like never got to get out of the teenage phase, really. They never got to grow up. Harry didn't get to grow up in a different way where he had to be like an adult first and then like needed to process that all later, but I don't know if he ever did. Well, and I hear psychiatrists talk about this a lot with the kids I work with because where, when your trauma happens, sometimes you get kind of like flash frozen at that age, right? And I don't know if you've ever taken like a psychiatry or psychology 101 class, but they kind of go through like the developmental stages of like, you know, um, this is a little Freudian, but like mouth fixation or like, you know, things like that. But the, the, what they're talking about is that it's hard to move past your, your emotional growth if your damage was done at a certain age, right? But we can all work on ourselves, right? Just because, or emo, emotions and your brain are a learned process. You can unlearn it. It's just hard to do. <laughs> uh, it really is. It takes a lot of work over the years. Um, and, but we touched on medicines, right, a little bit. And so we kind of like to talk about what we give people in real life, right? Like what we treat in psychiatry and then try to talk about like Harry Potter, you know, conversions basically. That's where we'll come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like in psychiatry, we treat mood stability, right? There are mood stabilizers. Um, we have antidepressants for when, you know, you have issues with depression. Um, we have sleep aids if you have trouble with sleeping. Um, and we have ADHD meds for focus issues, right? Um, that's everything. Um, those are interesting to talk about because even though, yes, we have these like medical made, like very human made medicines, they all have origins in herbal medicine. Um, and again, historically, medicine and magic are very intertwined over the years. You know, they, the, I mean, literally potions, right? The word trioc, tri, treacle, treacle um, originated as uh, like an herbal remedy made from herbs. Um, the origin for the word bizarre um, is from, um, you know, those hairy ball things that are gross. Um, people thinking that that was a cure for um, like poisoning. And they've actually found that they, they can help with like arsenic poisoning, which is mm. interesting. Um, but JK Rowling uses a lot of real world herbal examples to kind of, you know, address 
to like put in the potions and things. Yeah, which is really interesting. Like some of the ingredients, we don't have ingredients for all of the potions that are mentioned, but some of the ingredients that are mentioned like literally do have historical roots with what those potions end up doing for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Roots. (laughs) (laughs) Katie bringing the dad jokes. (laughs) That's my job, that's why I'm here. So we kind of broke down to like spells and potions that can work. Um, So let's talk about antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. Um, In the real world, they often work on neurotransmitters, which are another kind of hormone, like serotonin, dopamine, um, yeah, mostly those. Um, But did you want to talk about the draught of peace? Yeah. before I go into that, I just want to say that, like, what does the magical world have in terms of mental health? So the only thing that we know of is that they have healers. And then they have, um, I mean, I guess I would, Madame Pomfrey is just a healer, right? Yeah, so they just have, they're the only medical professionals that we're aware of in the wizarding world. Um, and we don't know if there is even, like, different sectors of healers. We just know them as an umbrella term and that they work at St. Mungo's. So even though this is a magical world where the impossible is possible, there are very defined rules, and there's still this fear of being mad or crazy. There's this stigma in Harry Potter um, towards mental illness. So like Luna, for example, they call her Looney Lovegood. She's weird for believing in things that aren't there. Um, Xenophilius is viewed the same way. Professor Trelawney is viewed that way because what she believes in is divination. Harry hearing voices in Chamber of Secrets is very drilled into our head that that is not normal and that that's something to be worried about and concerned about. So it's like a stigma is put on that. Um, Mad-Eye Moody has classic signs of PTSD and muggles are depicted as dim-witted and then the crazy are often locked away. For example, um, Alison Frank Longbottom, Gilderoy Lockhart, they aren't really given true help. They're just put in St. Mungo's and left there, which is not okay. Um, do you? Well, I think too, like the wizarding world is a very practical world. And so if they don't have a potion or spell for it, they don't seem to do anything about it. Oh, well, I guess we don't have anything else. <laughs> exactly. Not like therapy wouldn't work for you know, a wizarding person, they have a brain too, right? If they they had therapy in the wizarding world, we wouldn't have a book series. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, like, truly though, like, most of the things that happen are like, they would be fixed with talking. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously there's a reason that there is no therapy, but like, the help that it would give those characters is immense. Yeah. Um, so going back to like medicinal stuff, um, we, we were talking about the draft of peace. Is that what you yes? Mean? Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the wizarding world does acknowledge mental health, sort of. Like Meg said, kind of just slap a bandaid over it, and that's all you can do. We can't speak about our feelings, um, but there are potions, there's charms, um, but they really only focus on medicinal and medicinal only, and also like very short term. Yeah, it's like take this to help you sleep for one night or take this to make you feel happy for a few hours it's very like it's very short quick and like katie just said only medicinal like they're like we've said a million times already there's no like talking therapy to help them out well what we're about to talk about the i'm going to say it wrong the draft of peace it's draft yes okay yeah draft (laughs) um i mean like Harry Potter goes and sees Lord Voldemort rise back into a body and goes to this whole traumatic thing of seeing someone die and then they're just like just take this potion and sleep you'll be fine and then no one ever speaks to him for like the whole summer and the whole next year that's you'll not be okay fine after one night of sleep it's fine it's a dreamless sleep you'll be okay <laughs> anyway so the dreamless oh is this two different things it oh is actually but it but They go together, it's okay. Okay, so there is the dream of sleep potion, AKA the sleeping draught. Draft. (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm out, I'm walking out. You guys take care of this. Oh my God, the sleeping draft. And then there's also the draft of peace, AKA the calming draft. Those seem very similar to me, but it's fine. Well, like one, the one makes you sleep. sleep. The calming one doesn't ser- doesn't necessarily make you sleep. It just like 
calms, calms your anxiety, yeah. supposedly. And I think the one, not the one, but one of the uses of the draught of peace is I think Madame Pomfrey gives it to fifth years before their uh, owls. Oh, to, my God. Yeah. You know, calm them down because they're having panic attacks from exams. I mean, that's an anti-anxiety potion, right? Is that like giving fifth-year students CBD? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's like, oh yeah, go chill. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> in children's psychiatry, there are like non, you know, addictive medications you yeah. can give to help with anxiety. I mean, Benadryl is a very like easy, obvious example, but so it's like telling all of them go pop a Benadryl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's stronger. I mean, maybe it's like, maybe it's like. Uh, uh, I feel like it's extra strength, but it's Anyway, dreamless sleep. Do we know of cool ingredients in that? Um, yes, I have it pulled up. Dreamless sleep. So I know that there's um, valer valerian root and lavender are two of the ingredients. And like we, lavender is the most obvious for me because I mean, you go and you buy like lavender sprays for your pillows or something like that, or like oils to help you like feel calm and it's supposed to help you sleep. But there's also, um, there's also root, with, roots with valerian root. I'm using the same word like a lot, but um, so what exactly is valerian root? So valerian root has been used forever in, you know, herbal historical medicine, right? And um, I think I think there's like written documents all the way back to like, you know, BC area, basically, where valerian root is mentioned. Um, and yeah, it helps calm you down. It's used in like current day, you know, anti, uh, or uh, sleeping medications, right? Um, and there's also St. John's wort, which I think a lot of people have heard of, um, but it, it has anti-anxiety um, uses, right? Um, but what's really interesting is J.K. Rowling, I was trying to find like book sources of her using St. John's Wood, and one of the ones I found was, um, I think like the, the it's fourth, the textbook for yeah. potions for fourth year students. Yeah, so in fourth year, one of the textbooks they use is a real-life book. Um, let me find the name of it. Amateur hour, sorry. I had my sound <laughs> on. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so the real name of the book is A Collection of Above 300 Recipes in Cookery, Physics, which is like medicine, and Surgery for Good Wives, Tender Mothers, and Careful Nurses. That's a wide umbrella. <laughs> it's also a very long title. And it's not only a very long title, but it's it, basically they're getting around the word witch, right? That's what witches were back in the day. They mm -hmm. were female, like herbal, local healers, right? And every mother was basically a healer. Um, the local, you know, um, single woman who had been around since forever, maybe she's 40, 50 years old, that was considered old then, right? Um, has had a lifetime of helping her, her sisters or her, um, you know, children birth um, babies, and she knows herbal medicine. Um, so I think it's fascinating that J.K. Rowling actually used a real life book uh, that you can get out there, and it's on the Library of Congress for free. So I recommend looking it up. It's very interesting. <laughs> there are definitely some interesting recipes in there. Um, but J.K. Rowling uses that, and I think it's the, the the one recipe they use it in is for mad dog bites, so for rabies. But it's meant to calm you down, right? Um, so I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, I also I was I didn't see that this was also one of the ingredients in it. There's like two versions of the sleeping draft because I think one is like a video game version of it and then another version is from the book of potions which i think is a different video game right i think that that's if you the come at PlayStation me one. with jacob's sibling i know walk this out is, of this it's screen. not okay <laughs> if anybody has looked at the wiki sometimes they include things from the um game oh gosh what is it called hogwarts mystery thank yes you. thank you and they like have this stuff in the wiki as canon. And it'll be like, Jacob's sister did blah, blah, blah. And we're like, 
What? We just like to make fun of it. <laughs> so, um, no, it's not. Okay. I don't think it's that. It's like one of the uh, PC games from like way back in the day. And Acceptable. then the Book of Potions is that PlayStation game. So it also says that Wormwood is in it, which says um, that it excites the nervous system. So that like is the opposite. Isn't it? Yeah, I it's mean, kind of weird. I guess maybe they're like trying to like balance it out with something. Wormwood but. is in real world absinthe, so it's actually like somewhat of a mild hallucinogenic. Oh. Um, so it's in which potion? Because I, I have, I'm curious about that. Wait, no, which, sorry, which oh, potion? Oh, sorry, <laughs> that was so loud. I'm so sorry. It's it's in the sleeping draft. Sleeping or the dreamless? They're the same thing. Okay, so here's an interesting thing about also flowerworm mucus. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Just Never mind. I'll just dream. But here's an it's interesting fine. thing about like real world magic, right? Is uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, homeopathic or sympathetic magic. The the what homeopathic literally means is this like the same. A little bit of something works to cure something, right? And that goes a little bit both ways, like a little bit of poison cures poison. Um, and that might be what the wormwood does in small portions. Um, and it, we still use that in, in real world medicine today. There are, again, if you use a little bit of the thing that hurts you, it can help your body build up immunity so that when it encounters a bigger quantity of it, your body reacts and can fend it off. Um, so that might be interesting. why Wormwood is in the Dreamless Sleep Potion. So mm -hmm. glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being you. Um, before I totally messed up our order, we can actually talk about the draft of peace now, <laughs> slash the calming draft. Um, do you want to talk about the fun stuff inside of it? Me? Yeah. Sure. Um, the one thing that I pulled that's in the draft of peace is uh, powdered moonstone, which I thought was interesting. And sorry, I'm like, sometimes doing this stuff on an iPad is not good. Um, so it, there are like spiritual qualities of moonstone, and moonstone represents inner clarity. Um, cyclical change and a connection to the feminine and it is a symbol of light and hope and also encourage us to, encourages us to embrace new beginnings that's kind of nice it's like it's trying to encourage you to wake up and have a better day i guess new beginning yeah. <laughs> go new to sleep calm, or calm down the other and stuff i like to that... think a lot of these things act in our muggle bodies just like they act in wizard bodies, right? And so like mm -hmm. uh, all those hormones I was talking about earlier, I would hope that some of these potions or spells would work on the body in the same way. Yeah, for sure. There's also Hellbore um, and Unicorn Horn. We don't have a real world example of that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a couple minutes, I can come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> Just shout it out when you think of it. Is Hellborn real? Yes, it is. It's a plant. Um, I'm trying. I didn't see this one before. What is the word I'm looking for? You can Properties. specifically look up Hellboard, Colorado, which is <laughs> 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 pretty great. Oh, it's most often used as a poison. Well, that goes along with what you it were says, saying. Yeah, occasionally used to heal. Its primary role was more sinister. Basically, it was most often used as a poison. It's unlucky victims eventually died of cardiac arrest after measure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Swelling, slowed heart rate. Meg! That's <laughs> what it says. Well, I mean, well, uh, jumping topics a little bit, but Wolfsbane, you know, is in the Wolfsbane potion. And we know that Wolfsbane is poisonous to wolves, but they put a small amount of it in Wolfsbane to calm. Keep the wolf away. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I do, I like the research that was done into a lot of the Hogwarts um, or in, in Harry Potter's world because there are real world examples of a lot of these. So, um, did we want to move on to mood stabilizers? This is like my jam. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So mood stabilizers in, again, the muggle world, um, they often act on brains where the chemistry is off, right? Like in bipolar disorder, sometimes you have too much or too little, or you get waves of dopamine followed by waves of you know, cortisol, right? Um, your brain isn't really able to balance very well, and so they use two types of mood stabilizers. One is um, more of like salt-based, and those are also anti-seizure meds. Um, but we know that salt can help pull things or pull things out of the system, right? Um, and so that's kind of how they act on the brain a little bit, is they kind of help keep the balance. Um, and then, and then there are antipsychotics that are used for moods. And those, it's like maybe you have too little or too much of dopamine, right? And if you have too much, you can go into like a manic phase where you're too excitable, you can't sleep, you're running around, you know, you're making poor decisions, you have no impulse control. Um, so they want to bring that down, right? Um, even though a lot of people who have gone through a manic phase say it's really enjoyable to them. Um, and then they also try to bring you up when you are, when you, you use up all this dopamine in your system and then you crash, right? So then it's, it's just trying to balance you out. Um, and I tried to find some examples in Harry Potter. Um, one that I thought was interesting, and this might be stretching it a little bit, but the elixir to induce euphoria. Harry brews it in Slughorn's class. And they mentioned that the side effects can be excessive singing, which is that mania, um, and nose twitching, which is tics. And both of those are actually side effects of some antidepressants um, and a lot of antipsychotics. So I thought that was interesting. Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it? How would it come in handy? Maybe you have an upcoming international trip. Maybe you want to connect with family and friends, learn about a new culture, want to understand certain pop culture things. Well, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. And guess what? It's available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 language, languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. These are just some of the examples of languages that you can learn. Fast language ac acquisition. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in so many ways. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. It's designed for long-term retention, and it's got built-in true accent features to give you feedback on your pronunciation. It's kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also really convenient, and I'm really excited that there's an app. There's an app option, and you could also use it on your desktop. It's got an audio companion, and it's the ability to download lessons so you can do this offline. And it's at an amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and languages needed in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off. It's a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Swish and Flick listeners will get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off for unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, and then it's cheering charms. I don't really mm-hmm. know what people use cheering charms for. Um, to make you smile. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always kind of wondered, like, what the exact use of that was. Like, other than, like, maybe a prank, like... I don't know. You're going to the job interview. I'm gonna make you super happy and weird. Good luck. I don't know. But also, it's like how they how they come across in Harry Potter. It's almost like it's too much. It's not ever like it's this good amount that like mellows you out and just makes you happy. It like makes you overly excitable. So like, really, what is the purpose of it? But a prank or something like that. Yeah. Um, do we want to go into some other the other things that we have listed yeah. here? Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, if you want. We kind of went over sleep aids a little bit. Um, but one thing I found interesting was dreamless sleep is supposed to um, cause you not to have dreams, right? Well, in the real world, uh, there's a medication called Prozosin, and it um, can help people who have PTSD not have nightmares. And the way that it works is that it's actually lowers the amount of the stress hormone in your system. And so it's not gonna prevent all nightmares, but it's gonna prevent those stress-induced nightmares. And so I kind of like to think in my head that that's how dreamless sleep potion works. Who knows, but. Do you think that that could also be a comparison to like using a pensive? So like you can decide to take those stressful memories out and put them somewhere to lessen their intensity and like bring you down a little bit with like overthinking about it? Yeah, I'd like to think that. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, Harry's needed it a lot over the years. Yeah, or like, or even occlumency. So, like, can this be a version of closing your mind to push away bad memories and trauma, like a way to protect yourself? So, almost like a coping mechanism for PTSD, possibly. My therapist would call that a safety behavior. And or they (laughs) call it mindfulness exercises, right? The way that. Do you know how exactly Snape describes occlumency in the book? Because we only really have his explanations, right? I think it's in... I can pull that up if you want to keep talking. I can try and find it. Yeah. So, kind of, try not to bring it back to Deepak Chopra, but he's a kind of new age guru person, right? And he, he talks a lot about meditation and mindfulness and how we can kind of pull ourselves into the present moment so we're not dwelling on the past or stressing about the future, right? That's really what meditation is. It's not too much more complicated than that. Um, It's, you know, acknowledging the moment you're in and Snape, I think, says clearing your mind But that's not 100% what meditation is. It's more like you acknowledge the thought and then you let it go, right? You acknowledge a stressful thought and then you let that go. And it's a lot about like concentrating on your breathing, right? When you think about meditation. I would like to think Occlumens kind of need to do the same thing, right? And focusing all of your attention on just your breathing, for example, can clear everything else out of your head. And then another benefit of concentrating on your breathing is if you slow your breath down, it actually can affect your autonomic system and take you out of your body's stressful response. Everyone take a good deep breath right now. You found something. I did, but I guess he... So Snape explains it to Harry at Grimwald Place before he actually goes and has a lesson with him. Um, so I'm just trying to see, like, what exactly he says at Grimwald. I know we've all read it, but I still just have a hard time picturing them in any other space than, like, at Hogwarts. It's just uncomfortable for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was like that AI Dobby. No. (gasps) Oh, my God. No, that AI uh, Snape picture. With uh, McGonagall? On the beach. Oh. Or not Snape, sorry. Uh, Voldemort. Voldemort Voldemort on the beach. Uh, that's horrible. <laughs> okay, I found it. So this is chapter 24 of um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The chapter is called Occlumency. Um, so they're in Grimald Place, and Snape comes to tell Harry that he's going to have lessons with him. And he says, 
The headmaster has sent me to tell you, Potter, that it is his wish for you to study occlumency this term. Study what? said Harry blankly. Harry. <laughs> Snape's what? sneer became more pronounced. I'm a what? Snape says, occlumency, Potter, the magical defense of the mind against external penetration, an obscure branch of magic, but a highly useful one. And then he asks, why do I, why do I have to study Akla thing? <laughs> um, because the headmaster thinks it's a good idea. You will receive private lessons once a week, but you will not tell anybody what you're doing, least of all Dolores Embridge. You understand? And that's really it. But then he does go into it a little bit more whenever he is actually there for his first lesson, which is in the same chapter. And he says... Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, occlumency, as I told you back in your dear godfather's kitchen, this branch of magic seals the mind against magical intrusion and influence. Um, I think that does go along with, I like the idea of like, if you're going to have, if you're trying to close your mind off, you're going you're gonna to have thoughts that are come in that you need to let go. So you can acknowledge it, let it go. Yeah. Focus on your breathing. I like that a lot. I'm really proud of myself for finding that. <laughs> Good, <Thanks>. job. <laughs> Good job. Good <laughs> job. Oh, thank God for the search feature on Kindle. Honestly. Um, so, another thing that the, the wizarding world has like nothing of is any sort of supports for children trying to learn, right? There's no. Um, like diagnosing of ADHD or like writing issues or memory issues. I mean, poor Neville. They give them the calming draft before tests. <laughs> and what is a remember all supposed to do except if I had a remember all and I saw it read, I would just feel more anxious. Yes, yes, I would be like, I'm not gonna figure out what I'm forgetting. It I needs to it. be like a magic eight ball where it was like, you forgot your robes, you <laughs> yes, know? Exactly. Like it's magic. Why can't it just tell you? Right. <laughs> there has to be a better solution. Well, in, there is. There is. There is. Um, you know, in, in the real world, we not only address things with focus, but with medications that help with focus. We also have what are called IEPs, individual education plans. Anyone who works in education or works with kids or has kids has probably heard of this. And there are non-pharmaceutical -pharma interventions like if you have issues with focus, we separate you out of the room for exams, right? We, we make it so you can concentrate. We give you a little bit more time on homework. Um, we try to take away more distractions. We put you at the front of the room. All of these things could be done in the wizarding world. Don't ask Snape to do any of those things. <laughs> what kind of education experience did Snape have before coming? Because all he had was like, what, his Death Eater experience, which is not very conducive to I don't know supporting if children. Any right? of the teachers have any sort of credentials whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and even I feel like McGonagall would. She would. She okay. Okay. I take that back from McGonagall. <laughs> McG is cool. Let's just talk about Lockhart for Lupin. A <laughs> okay, he's just amazing. Lupin I know. Gave private tutoring. Yes, exactly. Right? He's amazing. Exactly. He's the coolest ever. Exactly. Like private <laughs> tutoring is a way to help kids, right? Um, but even look at the remedial potions that Harry had to talk or do, right? Everyone made fun of him for it. Why are we making fun of someone for needing extra supports? That's, I don't know, it's not fair. Correct. Um, um, what about Felix as a form of like help for anxiety? Felix Felicis? Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, it's like, it's. It's like pulling you way in the opposite direction. Like it's almost making you euphoric. Too much. Right? It's too much. Yeah. Um, I did pull some of the ingredients for it. Like there's thyme and rue, which both have like anti-inflammatory effects, which I thought was interesting. Um, especially for like what it ends up doing for you. And we also, we recently did, Katie and I did an episode with Goblet of Wine. Shout out to them. I love those girls. But we talked a little bit about Felix because we talked about the chapter where Harry fakes giving Ron the Felix. And we like, we talked a little bit about like, does it actually do anything? Or if is you it really like take it. Placebo. I mean, Even if you were to actually, because like Ron had the same 
effects almost. I mean, not to downplay Ron, but like I know stress really does play a huge role in um, in like if he does well or not with Quidditch. Like that, it's just like it's a huge stressor for him, and he overthinks it, and he. So just the fact that he thought that he had that was enough. So it's like, well, does Felix actually even do anything? Because it's just interesting to me. I mean, that's why they test medication against placebos, right? Because mm -hmm. placebos still have an effect. Yeah. You getting a sugar pill, you still, like, just the act of taking something for something you've been taught, like, that you know what it does. And you think you know what's going to happen with it. And again, bringing this back around to that, like, magical thought that we don't really understand, right? Like... If you get a sugar pill or if you're Ron and you got, you know, not real Felix Felicis, it's, it's your thought process is going to convince you that, that this is what should happen and so it's going to help you, right? It's going to like lower your anxiety, all of that. And then the opposite, right? Like, have you heard of the yips? Mm-mm. Okay, so I feel like that's what happens to, or to Ron a lot, right? He, he gets in front of a whole crowd of people and he just bombs, even though he can play Quidditch very well. He, he gets anxious and he fumbles and he struggles to, to like perform at his peak best. He has no confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Felix Felicis is, is like the only mention of an addictive medication, or I mean a, an addictive potion. Um, we kind of also put in our notes that maybe the elixir to induce euphoria could also potentially be I, like something that could be addictive and then um, they also have a strengthening solution in Harry Potter which like we thought could be a comparison to like steroids possibly so that could be an addictive um, potion Mm -hmm. and then this is not necessarily medication but like other addictive properties in the wizarding world like there's definitely gambling we see that with the black Um, or with like underground magical creature fighting and breeding and things like that. And then also we do know that there's a black market because Hagrid has purchased slash won some magical creatures that way. Um, And Newt has rescued creatures from those trades as well. So, and then we also have Winky who definitely needs AA and some help. Poor Winky. So. But yeah, we. She needs someone to talk to too. Truly. Well, she has Dobby, (laughs) thankfully. Talk therapy. Yeah. What do you think about a bog art being used as a form of exposure therapy? Oh, I forgot to talk about that. Oh, Thank 100%. You. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what Ridiculous is kind of doing in a way. That's too. literally it's, what Remus does. Yeah, it's, it's reframing See, he's amazing. Thoughts. I'm telling you. <laughs> Accurate. Exactly. And that's, you know... Um, what, I find, what I find so interesting about, like... Uh, talking about these things is that, like... We can clearly see that Harry has struggles, right? I mean, we're seeing it through his viewpoint. But what kind of interventions really are there? We're seeing the world through Harry's eyes. And yeah, he's a kid, but like this kid would be the perfect the perfect example for someone who needs mental health treatment, right? And like a kid like Harry in the real world, we would wrap in services. Uh, it would just be like an auto, your parents died when you were young. Like we would put you in automatic therapy. Like you were raised by people who were abusive. Like we would help you with these things. We would assess for these things. You know, um, Neville. Like he has he struggles all through the books. And does anyone help him with anything? No. His um, grandma's not very nice. And She's not no. very nice. Um, I really don't like her. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and, like, so, some of the things about the wizarding world just sound so much like the Middle Ages of the real world, right? Like The best example that I have of, like, Neville actually, like, feeling good for a moment or, like, hearing something from somebody that is positive is whenever McGonagall basically, I think it's McGonagall, right? She basically says, like, your grandmother needs to appreciate the grandson that she has. Yes. Um, like, that is just one of, like, the best moments, I think, for Neville. And, like, probably the first time he's ever heard something like that yeah. from, from someone who's older than him, who he potentially looks up to. Like, his grandmother was never saying those things to him. Like, oh, good job. And the only time that he ever got any recognition was after he almost died at, at the Ministry of Magic at the end of the fifth book, which um, it shouldn't have taken that for his grandmother to be 
proud of him. Well, and again, going back to that attachment theory, right? Neville, his parents were gone by the time he was one as well. They, they were in a mental health institute and he was um, taken care of by his grandmother who, while obviously she cared for his physical needs, clearly there were some emotional things that weren't as taken care of, right? And he really fits the bill for um, anxious attachment style, right? He is just, he's, he, or even disorganized. Like he's just, he fumbles, he struggles. And like you see him throughout the whole books, he's just kind of that like doofus. He's always expected to be his parents. He's always expected to be as brave or as good as his dad was. I mean, he's even, he's given his dad's wand, right? I mean, that's not, um, that's not setting him up for success. That a wand is not necessarily meant to be given to a family member. They choose you for a reason, and he is not his father. So it's, it's he was put in an unfair position from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And you can see, I mean, thankfully he does evolve and does get better throughout the series, but I think that that's really just a testament to like the friendships that he's built more than anything and like that was the help that he gave himself to try to to kind of get there mm -hmm. so um and you know kind of because we're talking about neville like we should really talk about his parents right yeah. they we talked about this on the podcast actually um and we really str i struggled to like define a real world example of what's going on with his parents because they went from memory to no memory, right? Um, the closest example we really have is Alzheimer's, but that's progressive, right? Like it happens slowly over time. This was like one traumatic event that- Happened so fast. That happened so fast. Yeah. And like they just put them in the Janice Thickley ward and that's all they do. Like they just wander around lost they have their basic needs met but they do nothing to try to help them uh i don't know regain maybe regain some memories or work on anything because i feel like they all they all they know is if we don't have a quick fix for this we're not going to do anything about it and it's and it's almost like um the author uses this cop-out kind of answer a lot for like these type like gilderoy and for the long bottoms i feel where she'll just kind of answer the questions of like, why was nothing done for them? Like, how could they not be helped by saying, oh, well, because that happened with magic, there was nothing we could do. And it's like, but if that, was, if that happened because of magic, I mean, I'm not expecting them to be 100% back to who they were before, but like, there has to be some sort of like, I, I don't know, I just, that seems like a cop-out answer to me that like, she just didn't want to do the research to try to like figure out like, the opposite end of the spectrum of like things that could be done to help them. Not saying that she's like a lazy researcher because clearly we're talking about like all of these amazing ingredients that she's put in these potions and has done the research for this. So it's like you did this. There has to be something else on the opposite end of it. Like, okay, this does this, but how can we counteract it? There has to be counteract counteractions to certain things that happen. And I feel like Neville's parents are the ones who suffered the most in the series with that. And Gilderoy, I mean, obviously he's annoying, right? And like he did that to himself and it sucks, but like there has to be something that can help him. Because like imagine he did that to so many people and there was no way to go back to those people and help them either. Like it just is very odd and bizarre to me that there's nothing that they could do. I would like to add though and play a little bit of devil's advocate that like we can't heal everything. In the real world either we can't heal alzheimer's you know we can't yeah. rewire that brain you know fix those connections and so like for example with alzheimer's what we do is we make people comfortable we put them in familiar environments we have structure we you know we still give them like love and attention sticking them in J the janice thickley ward cannot be like a happy place to be you know, the way that it's described is not homey mm -hmm. at all, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, why, if they can still like walk and talk, well, some, I think uh, Neville's mom can, I don't know if Neville's dad can, then why, and they have spells, right, that can like 
turn people if they're bed bound, right? Why aren't they at home? Yeah. And we do that in the real life or in the real world too, mm -hmm. unfortunately. When people are hard, you know, it, it gets to be too much to care for someone. But like, when you have magic, I don't know, it seems like so much more is possible. Maybe part of the problem is that the fix wouldn't be magic. So they don't see past that. They just think, oh, there's no magical fix to help these people. When in reality, it might just be having them at home or putting them in a more familiar situation or somewhere that's more cozy mm -hmm. or homey instead of just like this sterile ward. Yeah. Um, and they just, they don't dive into that kind of stuff. <laughs> they don't yeah. talk about that stuff. True. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, the Harry Potter universe is in some ways kind of an exaggeration of real life, right? Like things, uh, cheering charms make you like euphoric, right? And um, I don't know, kind of the, some of the ridiculous things that happen in the books, like we're, we're meant to have this kind of like fantastical view of the world. And I think that in some ways, J.K. Rowling wrote the Janice Thickley Award like that because she's kind of bringing attention to the fact that like, we do something similar in real life and it's not, it's not always fair. Yes. Um, we have about 10 minutes left and I don't know if anybody had any questions that they want to ask or if there's like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, again, bringing it back to, I work with children that have a lot of the struggles that Harry has. And they have been abandoned early, and they have been taught to rely on themselves. So Dumbledore has just reinforced that. I was going to say, like, constant. he had that, and then felt maybe like it was getting better because he came to Hogwarts and he had Dumbledore. And then he loses Dumbledore again. So exactly. it's like, with no explanation. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Dumbledore just continues to not be truthful with him, not tell him, thinking like, okay, if I don't talk about it, maybe Harry will have more of a childhood. Through the whole rest of the series. Exactly. And Harry goes even into, like, Deathly Hollows, feeling like he doesn't even know who Dumbledore is anymore. And um, he, again, like, he felt like he had Dumbledore for so long, and then it just gets, like, reinforced whenever he sees that article in the Daily Prophet, and then Hermione gets a hold of Rita Skeeter's book, and he learns all this information, and he was like, why on earth would, like, I thought we were closer than this, so then he just questions everything, and it's, like, kick-starting all over again, which is terrible for him. Well, and too, like, going a little bit back to attachment theory again, too, when you're really young and you don't get the support, the love, the affection, the, your basic needs met, right? Um, you might not remember those things, and that's why we date it. But like, even even if you were, even if you, um, you know, had a loving home from one year old, right? Sometimes you can still really struggle with attachment, and it's because it's foundational, like unconscious memories that your body is still reacting to, right? And that's Harry just over and over and over again, like kind of given a bone, like we're gonna support you, but we're not. But we're going to support you, but we're not. Like if you're brave, like we'll support you, but not, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I have a lot of opinions about Dumbledore's manipulation. And I think kind of the worst thing is when- Good Harry, thing Tiffany's not here. I, right? <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, she would excuse have, me, what? Well, I'll give the example, and then you can act as Tiffany and maybe argue with I don't know if I can act as Tiffany on this. <laughs> but, like, Harry 
walks to his death as a 17-year-old. He, he, he walks to his death because it, basically every person he's ever been, every like, major adult figure in his life has basically taught him that he needs to be self-sacrificing, that he has to rely on himself, that he has to, like he is uh, the only one that can do this, right? That's like the chosen, chosen one syndrome, right? And but I am the chosen one, right? But kids, should, <laughs> kids in real life, kids shouldn't have to think that way. But they do if they have never had anyone fully support them over the years. Sometimes I have such a hard time actually like remembering and realizing how old they are as I'm reading this. It's like you mean how young? Well, I, yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just being dumb. <laughs> no. like, oh yeah, um, but it's like we're like we're in the middle of Half Blood Prince right now in our podcast, and it's like. They're dealing, like Harry is dealing with so much on his shoulders with Dumbledore and these memories and taking in all this information about Voldemort and and I'm like, he is 16. And then I think to myself and like what I was doing when I was 16 and I'm like, I wouldn't, my brain would just not be there. No, it's like I was listening to Good Charlotte and wanting to go to concerts and <laughs> Going to warp tour, reading <laughs> fan fiction, like <laughs> Yeah. Waiting for Ron and Hermione to get together. And that's what's so like rich about this world too, is sometimes like I read I read a lot of fan fiction. Uh, over the I've read a lot of fan fiction over the years. And something that's fun is like when they explore those avenues that aren't explored in the books. Like I've I've read ones where there's like actual like addictive or um like treatment for people who have addictions or like mental health treatment for werewolves, right? That's one we barely touched on, actually. I know, it was um, in our notes, we were yeah. out of time. <laughs> <laughs> the stigma, right, of being, of, of having, um, being a werewolf, like that takes a toll on you mentally. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a rich world that, uh, that a lot of people out there have explored and deep dived into, so. So it makes it so great. Yeah, we probably have time for one more before we wrap it up if anybody else has another question. Yeah. This is more just a comment that, um, sure. that fits in with a lot of what you guys have said. Ariana Dumbledore. If she had yeah. gotten like instant therapy, I don't think she would have ended up dead. Like after her attack because she went through a terrible trauma and her family's response to her like shutting down and, and saying like, okay, this happened to me because of magic, so I can't use my magic, was to hide her away when he started to go bad. If she had gotten therapy, she probably wouldn't be dead. There's a real world example of that too. Um, kids, sometimes if they've had a lot of trauma, can have what's called like intermittent explosive disorder. And it's like where you were repressing and repressing and repressing your emotions so much and your, you know, the things that have happened to you. And then you just explode with aggression or anger. And it's a stress response, right? Like we, uh, so people who have intermittent explosive disorder can just like blow up at the drop of a hat. But, Therapies can help with that. Like we have real-world treatments for that. So why couldn't they have the same for what? What's what is it that Ariana Grande? Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. What is she called again? Um, she's an obscurial. 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 Yeah. I feel like obscurials don't need to exist. No, they don't. We just need proper Ariana stories. Mental health treatment. Freaking sad. Ariana Grande, that's going to live with that's, me all day. I, I'm going to walk day. around all day today and just giggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, do we, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and also about your, your book that is coming out? Yes. So I had a mental health podcast, but I put it on hold to fulfill my dreams of being an author. Um, so but her podcast is still out there, and yes. there, it's very good, and you should go and listen to it. Yes. Uh, the first off, the podcast, yeah, you can still find it out there. It was called Don't Call Me Crazy. Um, and what I would do is, it was like a variety show. I'd interview people about, like, it was like a, a conversation, right? Like this, right? Where we'd talk, we'd kind of talk around a central subject that was important to that person. Um, there was an episode on HIV, right? I, had a, I have a friend who, who has had HIV since the 80s. We talked about his mental health through the years, right? Um, I had a friend who, we talked about postpartum. I had postpartum disorder, but, um, so it's still out there. But I wrote a book and it is going to hopefully be published next year or it might be 2024. 20, um, but 
if you add me on Instagram or uh, my website, VanessaLopezAziz.com, uh, you can get on like a mailing list for when the book comes out. Um, and if you add me, I will give you a free Luna Lovegood sticker here. They're really cute. They are details. cute. What's that? They're really, They're really cute. cute stickers. <laughs> they are really cute stickers. Um, I also do art. I'm, I'm all over. She does it all. <laughs> she does everything. I'm a Ravenclaw, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a Ravenclaw and Slytherin thing. It's, Very much so. Yeah. My Hufflepuff partner has to pull me back all the time. Like, you need rest and relaxation, girl. Like, you preach this. Why aren't you doing it? Um, but my business cards are up here, too, and they are also bookmarks. Um, so my socials are on the back, and I did the art on them. So. And if you want to follow Katie and I, we are again with Swish and Flick Podcast. We also have a third co-host, Tiffany, and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Swish Flickcast. And then mine and Katie's personal Instagram is The Petrus Family. Lots of dogs and cats. Lots of dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, my social needs is uh, Vanessa, period, of all trades. I that makes that. sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys so much for um, choosing to come to our talk today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good rest of your day. <gasps> Amazing! Just my voice! <laughs>